it's like the fussy fella's verdant view. Words, view, words. Bum, 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 Hello and welcome to Smash. No, <laughs> eight episodes. Wow, we in. made it. Yeah, we made yeah, eight episodes I, without fucking I, up. It's uh, no, I, I fucked it up on like episode six or so as well. But I'm just it, even even this far in, I I'm still uh, still messing it up, and uh, I'll never get it right because this is the last episode of Fossey Fellows Verdon viewers. Uh, hello and welcome to Fosse Fellows Verdon viewers, the podcast about the FX musical drama series Limited oh-so-limited musical drama series, Fosse Verdon, that aired past tense Hmm. on uh, FX in the year 2019. Uh, My name is Jimmy Blackman. And I am Marty Scanlon. Jimmy, I will tell you that I, right before recording this, had like a a thought where I was like, maybe I'm going to ask to to intro the show. You know what, I had... I had the it, same thought. I thought I should let Marty intro it this time, no, and because, I forgot about it. You no, know, because in my head, I was like, yeah, let me see if I could do it. And I did it, and I said in my head, right before we recorded, welcome to Fosse Fellows Verdant Viewers, the podcast about the NBC musical drama series Smash that aired from 2012 to 2012. Well, I was like, well, I said hello and welcome to Smash Bros. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think uh, the idea that somehow uh, you would have done worse than me, I don't, I don't think that makes much sense. <laughs> Uh, we are technically the Smash Bros in disguise, uh, Groucho Marx glasses on our faces, pretending to be the the Verdon viewers and the Fosse fellas, but at our hearts, we're the Smash Bros. Um, we are. And we are talking about about that that dang old FX uh, miniseries, Fosse Verdon, about the lives of Bob Fosse and Gwen Verdon that just wrapped up this week. Uh, we're talking about the final episode called Providence. You loved it as a city in Rhode Island. You'll love it even more as the eighth episode of Sma- of Fosse Verdon. <laughs> I've actually been to Providence many times. I've been to Providence two times. Well, is it many? No, no, two is not. I think to, to hit many when it comes to visiting a city, I think that's five or more. Yeah, right? that's probably right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's, your, what's your prov connection? Uh, my dad's whole side of the family is from Rhode Island, so my... Uh... Been, I basically spent all my summers in Rhode Island, so I would recently have been like you know taking the train into Providence to visit my grandma. Gotcha. Well, Providence, uh, you know, I've I've only ever been to I've been to Brown like two times, and that was my experience of Providence. I understand <laughs> it's a city that's uh, divided between the cops and the criminals, <laughs> right? I I don't know. I just always everyone just is your grandma about... a cop or a criminal? Well, okay, so my grandma is a cop, but she's an undercover criminal. Oh, wow. Uh, like uh, the departed. Yeah, or like, uh, what's his name? When he puts the cayenne pepper in his arms to make it look like he did heroin so that he could do Hot a bust in a 14-minute um, long one shot or whatever they call it in TV. Uh, True Detective, that's what I'm trying to think of. Matthew oh, McConaughey. Rust Cole. Rust yeah, Cole. Rust, Rustin Cole. That's how, that's that's the kind of name that only a TV writer would come up with, right? Yeah. His name is Rust Cole. Okay, dude. All right. Rust in, rest in peace, my bro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is 
Fosse Phillips viewers, we're talking, we're going to hit all the state capitals. That's our next thing. After Fosse Phillips Burden viewers, we're the state capital boys, where we talk about a new state capital, starting with the smallest state, and eventually we'll get to uh, Austin, Texas, the state capital of the biggest state. No, it's, no, and Juneau, Alaska. What's the biggest state, Alaska or Texas? It's Alaska, right? Or is it Texas? It's, it's got to be, or is it California? Or is it California? Those long boys sneak past you. Hmm. It could be called the Long Boys, the state, the Long State Boys. <laughs> yeah, um, we're here to talk about. I think we're we're uh, we're we're dodging it because we don't want to we don't want it to end. But we are uh, yeah, here to talk about the series finale of uh, of Fosse Verdon, uh, titled Providence. It's all been building up to this. We've been uh, talking about how's this thing going to end. Are we going to get to all that jazz? Who will play Roy Scheider? It, it all got answered in uh, glorious detail in this episode. Uh, Marty, you want to you want to start us off? Uh, talk a little about it. Yeah, I uh, I just I really liked this episode a lot. I thought it had a lot of cool stuff going for it. I um I watched it. Did I watch it yesterday? Yeah, I must have watched it yesterday. I just there were a lot of just like really satisfying moments for me. Um, I don't know if it's weird. Every episode that I think of, I'm kind of like, I don't know if that was the best episode or whatever, but it's like, I feel like it's, it's, what's the opposite of being greater than the sum of its parts? (laughs) It's Oh, interesting. Like each of its parts is greater than the sum. Like each episode. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I like really feel that way, but I do feel like, um, when I think of the stuff that I liked, I can, I can pull really specific moments that i loved but when i think about the episode as a whole i'm like yeah that was really good but it was made up of all these maybe maybe that's actually the sign of something really good is that it's made up of all of these little little moments that are right. sort of threaded into a greater piece right no i think that makes sense and i think um watching this episode which i did like a lot i definitely don't think i would call it my favorite episode but i think it's like you think about the the if you think of this as an eight part biopic like this could be a movie but it's stretched into eight parts and this eighth part is like the last 15 minutes of a biopic that's like a difficult thing for an episode to be because especially with like artists and these uh, with anybody that you tell that you make a movie about their life the end of their life is usually not the most interesting part like the most interesting part is when they were doing their most like creative work and had their most volatile relationships and then this end part of the life is like is really sort of sweet in a certain way uh but it is it has sort of less dramatic tension to it because it's bob and gwen sort of coming back together in this like post post sexual relationship post raising a family post career essentially yeah of them and i mean they're both still working but they're both past the heights of their career and they're both like just past their most volatile emotional years and they're just sort of like reforming this little partnership um which it was interesting it just is like less less interesting I, and i guess i'm talking about more the second half of the episode here the first half definitely yeah. still had some tension to it but it is hard to go out on that because you're like you know it you know that their more interesting years are behind them i guess right but it also you know it is sort of like it's it's true to the thing because it yeah 
because it's what it, it's what it is. So no, absolutely, I wouldn't want it to end any other way. And I do like that it went up to the point of his death. Uh, I mean, I <laughs> I do think like they really um, pride themselves on that title card at the end where they're like, yeah, you know, they, yeah, exactly. Like you know, year a few years later, there was a review of their work together, and it was just called Fosse. But then they also end their series called Fosse Verdon with his death and then just kill her in a title card. Yeah. And she had like another 15 years, 18 years of her life, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a little bit disingenuous to me to still frame it around his death and then claim we're giving the, the two-sided story of it. Even though right. this episode was very Gwen-centric and like... I do think, in general, they did give all of that its due, but there's a lot more to her life that her life didn't end when he died. So I, I did find that frustrating. Yeah, I guess that, I guess that is sort of weird. But I, I, I think the final shot, right, like, is the thing that sort of clues us into, I guess, how they want. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm completely off base here, but like that final shot of it tilting up to show the 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 card on the broadway plaque not the broadway placard but on the theater placard saying directed and choreographed by bob fossey like that felt to me like not just the show but that's like bob fossey directed and choreographed his own life like that's the that's the thing that that thing is saying right yeah like, maybe that's like, what i'm thinking like, you know i think i connected that with like his own like almost like he directed and choreographed his own death is specifically what i was taking there like and i think the the assumption you're or you know the the connection you're supposed to make there is to all that jazz because yeah talks about you know shooting his own death and and that that whole deal um i i again i think i think the series does do a good job of talking about both of their lives and i think that it is it makes sense in a certain way to end with his death because that is the end of them as a partnership right? by nature of the first one dying. That's like, that's where it ends because Fosse Verdon is over at that point. However, I, I bet if Verdon had died first and Fosse had lived longer, the show would not have ended with. Yeah, with totally. Death. Yeah. So. I did find it a little bit unsatisfying to, um, to never hear or see from her again and just to have this yeah. sort of long shot of the farm sequence which is it's perfectly peaceful and nice and i understand what they're doing but it does but feel that's a little, about um, nicole that's not about yeah wet like which I, a lot of this episode felt very very much like let's make sure that we that everyone knows nicole fossey is okay right which uh, i mean i just i don't know i just wasn't too worried about her i only became worried about her really in this episode yeah and same you know it it, it felt a little yeah uh, we've talked about the nicole thing it, yeah, it feels a little a little shoehorned in. yeah and just the like well she's the one person still alive still talking about this so we have to like honor her role in the story and i, I it's just hard with with you know child actors and all that to, to make yeah. that central of a of a thing okay so let's talk about the all that jazz stuff because that's oh yeah that's you know it's it's a movie that that we've referenced a lot and that i know is one of your favorite movies and well it's and crazy because got to it. all that jazz is a movie that i have seen one time 
Okay. And then have watched a lot of pieces of. Sure. But All That Jazz is a movie that I watched once and was like, this is one of the best things I've ever seen in my life, and this is absolutely one of my favorite movies. And I yeah. have purposely really never gone back and watched it again, so I was going to suggest that maybe we watch it for... Um, yeah, that's actually a good idea. Maybe, maybe that is one more episode of Fosse yeah. Fellows for viewers. There we go. Uh, yeah, because we've been talking about watching that since since the end since, of the first season yeah. of Smash. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a really good idea. I would be very interested because I've also I think only ever seen it once, and it was probably eight years ago or something yeah. like that. And I have very, I have very vivid memories of some of it, but then also like when we were seeing some of the scenes of it, like I was like, oh, I don't even remember him with his daughter like doing a dance, like helping her with her ballet. Yeah, and, like, that's a great. Just, I remember some of the bigger, more showy parts of it, but I don't really remember all the details. Yeah. I do have to say, uh, in that scene when when we first see Roy Scheider and he's helping her with the ballet, I my first thought was, wow, they got somebody who's a really good Roy Scheider. And then he my second looked... thought was, oh, fuck, that's Lin-Manuel Miranda. He looked so much like Roy Scheider. It was yeah. crazy. And I mean, like, I'm, uh, you know, I, I think one should always um, question everything Lin-Manuel Miranda does, it, it, just in the sense of, I think he's a genius, but I think it's also like, I'm always like, I'm like, I would be, if he had like decided to like call his shot and play Joe Gideon in this and been bad at it, I would be like all, I would be so ready to be like, come on, Lin, this was yeah. not, you didn't have to like step into this and play Joe Gideon. We get it. We get it, Lynn. Yes. But he was like the right person he was for great. that part. I thought he, he was, was great. So, I, he was so good I, at that. I, I was healthily like uh, skeptical seeing it. And then I was yeah. like, you know what? He looks great. He yeah. feels it's the right energy. He's it was great. I yeah, thought he was terrific. It, it was it was really great. And and they didn't like um, he didn't uh, exert his power too much and like do anything too showy as Joe Giddy. I mean, he did this. The sequence with the running into the crowd and all that which but like, was he, so good yeah i've, oh I've watched that scene in particular many times which is more than five but um <laughs> that it was just like shot for shot perfect her sticking her tongue out all the people with the silver face paint and th- th- it it was just such a perfect recreation of it that it was like spooky yeah well and i loved what they did of of having of having bob run in and he like feels it for a moment he is joe gideon for a moment he's like getting to experience this like yeah you know jesus christ superstar style afterlife moment and then it and then he's he goes back and stands back as the director and you cut to the shot of all these people again and you, they're just extras like you yeah. just they're they just say, okay you let's see do it for real this time yeah and you just see that them like you know looking at their watches and like sitting yeah. bored in these stands and i i don't know it's just such a great like yeah, it was very uh, powerful. Yeah, just like that, the way that you like in those like euphoric moments, how art can elevate, but then you step back and you're just like, all oh, right, we're just on a on a movie set. Yeah, man, wild. It was wild. I was so glad they got to all that jazz. Yeah, and, and they and they focused on it just enough, but didn't didn't make it too much the focus of the episode. It just it had its moment. Um, and then we skip over Star 80, his last movie, which I, I, is not a movie I know a ton about, though I know it definitely has its has its fans, but we don't I really know see nothing any, about it. any of that. Um, 
Oh, I did. I liked uh, a scene I liked a lot, which is a, a pretty cliche scene, but I thought worked very well. It was when they were casting all that jazz, the scene with, with Anne Ranking mm. and him like trying to get her to play herself. Very uh, Jean Cousineau and very. Yes. yes. Uh, but it was like, I don't know. It's just like you, you, you have seen that scene a million times, but I just, I mo- probably more so Margaret Qualley than, than uh, Sam Rockwell just like made that scene really yeah, it was great. Uh, fun to watch. And that is totally true. It's crazy. Like that's that's how it went. That he that he made her audition for it and yeah. all that. Yeah, yep. that's. I mean, it, it, I I believe it based on my knowledge of Bob Fosse. Um, I loved the scene. I loved, I loved the scene like of uh, him interviewing Gwen about him, his life, yes. and about about what the time surrounding his heart attack was like, and the way. What is what does she say when he's like? Um, do you like? How do you? I forget. I forget the, how the questions posed. Of like, are you ever mad at me? Or are you... yeah, and he's and she's just like, I just like don't really don't really have many about... feelings towards you at all anymore. Yeah, I don't. I don't dislike you. I don't. But I'm just like, and it didn't feel like she was saying that in like a snide, cutting him down yeah. way. It felt just like real, and that was that much harder. Um. You also have her marriage to uh, Jake Lacey falling apart. I can never yeah. remember the character's name, but uh, the character Ron, I think. Yeah, but if that's also not what the person's name was in in real life, I, uh-huh. I looked it up. So I'm just going to call him Jake Lacey. Yeah. Uh, new Jim. <laughs> new Jim. Um, but yeah, so you've got their marriage falling apart because. They, he wants to move out of the city, and she does too. But then he, she gets, she gets pulled back in by Bob's uh, request for her to tour with Chicago. Yeah, I've been, uh, I've really had nowadays from Chicago stuck in my head for the uh-huh. last few days, and like, but like in a good way, and then just like going and, I highly recommend if you've never listened to it, the like original cast recording of it with Gwen Verdon and Cheetah Rivera, uh, is. Just, maybe it's just the weight of knowing all about Gwen Verdon now, but like it's so good. It's just so. I listened to that, and then I listened to the movie version of it, and that uh-huh. Renee Zellweger can fucking, you know, yeah, burn in hell <laughs> compared to Gwen. It's it's no comparison. Gwen Verdon's um, is so full of emotion and character, and Renee Zellweger's is just like all eyebrow work. That's a bummer. Yeah, I thought Gwen Verdon was amazing as um. Oh, Bridget fuck, Jones. Man. Yep, yep. <laughs> that was a joke that I was trying to make and suddenly couldn't remember her name. Yeah. Um, I loved the sequence where she's singing at like the 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 benefit, and it's just like so masterfully cutting between her is that was it cutting between her making bread is that what it was doing? yeah or yeah. doing something in the kitchen yeah yeah like kneading dough oh, no, making the pasta that. yeah, yeah she, the pasta and, okay yeah yeah and eating alone and just like this incredible dual storytelling of like her being celebrated by these people but still not really performing on no she's singing but she's totally still and she's doing some stuff with her hands and her she's not in her body at all and and it's just this like oh she has you know celebrity kind of and she has 
security. She has money. She has this life at home, but it's like it's an empty kind of yeah life in a certain way. Yeah, I found that very, very sad and very good and just like yeah. good visual, good visual storytelling. So then sort of moving into the second half of the episode, we jump forward a number of years after All That Jazz. We get a title card that says All That Jazz was nominated for nine Oscars and then his next movie, Star 80, flopped. And so we pick up a few months after Star 80 and we're in this sort of new normal where I think it gets established in a scene between them at a bar where it's like, oh, Nicole's not talking to Gwen. She's like kind of talking to Bob. Yeah. Uh, she's, you know, presumably an adult at this point. And uh, there we dive into this revival of Sweet Charity. And I loved all of this stuff related to, to the revival of Sweet Charity. The going her going Gwen going to work on it and Bob coming out to California to see it and the sequence where Bob makes Gwen get up and do the original choreography to like yeah. basically shame Debbie Allen the the new charity yeah and it was just it was uncomfortable and yet you also just watching Gwen do it and it's not even a thing we've I don't think we ever saw her do it as a young woman on the show. No, Maybe so. we saw a brief snippet. Yeah, of we might it, have seen I, like a little bit of rehearsal. But you know, I don't something. even think we did because when we first learn about, like, when the show starts, the movie of Sweet Charity has just opened, and that's starring Shirley MacLaine instead of Gwen Verne. So I don't think we ever really saw much of her as uh-huh. Charity. Uh, but you watch it, and you like, you know just having seen her as a young woman you see that in her and you see that she's sort of incapable of totally getting back there yeah i don't know it was just it was very powerful i thought well and you also see the the sort of the the scene around her change and shift and then it just you know you see it well i didn't know maybe maybe this is maybe i'm wrong but are we are we supposed to when the light changes and it's the spotlight and she moves into it and it gets dark and th- that's imagined. That's a good question. I that was my take, but when, I don't when know. When the light, when the spotlight turned on, what I thought was going to happen was that she was going to step into it. And in the cut of her stepping into it, she would become young Gwen Verdon and we would yeah. see, but that didn't happen. So I think, I don't know. I, I think, I mean, maybe we're supposed to think a spotlight operator watched them rehearsing and turned the light on. I kind of think, no, I think the spotlight was imagined, but I don't think much sort of, changed necessarily. Yeah, no, which, definitely not. But it's just, you know, it's slowly faded back sort of to reality, which I did it like did. that it, it felt like it was influenced by fantasy. Yeah, yes, definitely it was. And it just, it gave us this moment of like, it stopped being about, showing the moves to Debbie and it became a very interior moment. You don't see Bob watching her really during that moment. It, it was right. just about her. Uh, this is jumping back a little bit, but I feel like we should cover uh, Bob dancing at Patty Chayefsky's uh, funeral, which is, I, I cried. I, I legitimately cried. Yeah, I did not, but like I easily could like, that's the kind of moment that absolutely would have gotten me but for whatever reason i guess i was at work i was watching it at work but um 
you can't cry in front of colleagues. Then they'll know your weaknesses, and they'll just tap dance in front of you and get you. <laughs> with, their uh, hands, with their hands gently covering their heart. Yeah. Uh, God, I love that. I loved what, I loved that he said... I hope this doesn't, I hope this doesn't offend, offend any of you. I just, for some reason, that little bit gets me more. Like, just yeah. I don't know. It, just because well, like, it he, feels it feels more vulnerable than any other character moment of Bob Fosse. It's that it's yeah. a leg, it's a legitimate and genuine apology. Apology, I'm putting in quotes, but it's a it's a softening of a thing in in a, from a character that we have never seen be soft about something like that. Yeah, and I think to me maybe this is reading more into it than there was but it's almost like i felt that he thought in that moment he was going to do something sort of vulgar and like yes. do a more of a like like jolly a jolly tap, tap dance. dance like he yeah. was gonna do the joke of what they'd said like i'm gonna fucking tap dance at your funeral but yeah. then he and he was like wearing tap shoes and like it's almost like he could have gone into like a more of a a thing but he stands there and suddenly there's all the weight of losing this person and and in in patty's death thinking of his own mortality and all this and he just does this beautiful little soft shoe thing and like i i don't know just like that moment of like the bravado of the act the bravado of i'm gonna tap dance at your funeral and then the vulnerability of how yeah. it comes out is just i that's it's like dynamic that the the way that that promise shifts into something else in that yeah. moment i i really loved that scene and yeah. also you know the, it's so it's so loaded from the conversation that opens the episode the pretty long like cold open which is just a conversation between him and patty yeah. about why all that jazz isn't working and how it needs to change or what it needs to become and how it ultimately does become that right and of course, all that jazz becomes that, and also he describes the episode that is about. To yeah, happen. exactly. I mean, like it's just that's just like good. Yeah, it's just like telling. good. I mean, it's good like, writing. Yeah, I mean that he says he calls the shot at the start of the episode and says, you know, you're gonna realize as you're lying there dying, who you really belong with, and it'll be too late, and then it, it yep. ends with. And that yeah. final sequence is really amazing. Yeah, the all the all the cutting between the moments. I mean, like I said, like I said from like episode two when they're already have the bravado to be flashing back and stuff. When it flashes through all those moments of their lives, I felt like I was watching the series finale of a show I'd watched for ten years. I felt the exact same way. I was like, Wow. I started this in April? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's been eight consecutive weeks. Yeah, it was like April, the start of April. And I really do feel like I've lived with these people for a long time. And it makes me, it's like a, you know, it's similar to like ending Mad Men or something where I'm like, I don't want to leave this world. Like, I yeah. don't want to. And it's, I'm just like, ah, damn, I want, I want to, I want to just pick up and follow somebody else. I want, I want Neil Simon's 1990s or whatever. I just want to like, I want to f- grab some other character and, and keep moving with them. Um, uh, our old old friend of the show, friend of the show right now also, and previous guest, Jason Silverman, texted me and said, have you heard of the podcast One Plus One? What is that? It, it's no. a podcast that explores uh, other famous duos. 
Oh, really? So he he said that I should tell you about that because he said you would be interested in it. Interesting. I will I will check that out. I uh, yeah. I mean, I part of me wants them to turn that podcast into a TV show because I want to I want to watch these people. But totally. Um, I just Michelle Williams is amazing, and um, I feel like has consistently disappeared into this role so frequently that every time I'm watching it, I forget that I'm watching an actor. And yeah. I just, I just, just wanted to say that again this episode because I no, but think it's, she's it's like absolutely a... worth saying. And I think she's almost even gotten. I mean, we thought she was so good from the start, but these later years, Gwen is maybe when she shines the most. Um, oh God, and 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 when they, you know, the they showed a little bit of that eight minutes before death hotel sequence that I think was in the very first episode and getting to see that again and knowing her whole history like it was good it was really good in the first episode and you're like wow she really seems like she's a you know 65 year old woman blah 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 but seeing it again with all those years you're just like She's not just a 65-year-old woman. She is this woman at age yeah. 65. And we've seen her at these different ages. And and then for it to also be such a good match to the real person that, like, you watch interviews with her or videos of her performing in these various ages, and it's kind of uncanny. And I... and. Sam Rockwell is also very good, and I know I've like kind of gone. I was a little bit weak on him and have gotten stronger, but I like the performance more. I still really like the performance. I did last night watch some like videos of older Bob Fosse being interviewed, mm-hmm. and it's not a Sam Rockwell is not matching that no. at all. No, he's doing like, he, he's doing um he's doing a version of the character. Yeah. Whereas, like, one, like, you know those those videos on Wired that are like the accent expert breaks down all of like the accents that people do in movies. Sure. Yeah. He he has one. He's like a vocal coach, and he's like, this accent is really accurate, and here's why. And he talks right. a lot about how actor portrayals of famous people uh, can be kind of like two different things. You can go for like an exact likeness, or you can go sort of for a a feeling vibe. And I feel like yeah. I feel like Sam Rockwell's doing the vibe, and Michelle yeah. Williams is doing the the recreation right which is which is fine and both of those are both of those are valid things but if i had to submit one person for an emmy for this show a mm-hmm. hundred times over it's it's michelle williams yeah absolutely though i though sam rockwell does very much i he he very much does disappear in the character it's just a character that he is disappearing in less of disappearing in in the to person person totally um what else what else is there to say i mean either about this episode or just like final thoughts about this show um i don't know i haven't really I'm, i'll be curious now to go back and like read some stuff about it i have no idea how it's been received or reviewed i know like a lot of different people i, I have some friends who like really loved it and i have some friends who are like yeah it was good um but i don't know i i sometimes feel like i'm watching a different show than other people where i'm like this is great don't you all this, this is great yeah, I I don't know. I mean, that is a that is an interesting thing to discuss. That like it it the show is not that well received either by critics or by like 
Broadway people, people who are fans of, of these sort of things, it sort of did get a lukewarm response. Uh-huh. And I don't know... I don't know why that is. I don't... Because I definitely feel very gung-ho about this show. Yeah, I think too. I think maybe the lesson is a little bit of a like a bandwagon thing that people people hear something and and it sort of spins into just a general narrative about the show i mean there everyone has different taste i don't mean to say that somebody who watches it and dislikes it is wrong um but i wonder if some people didn't really give it a full chance I, I, i don't know but um, I encourage if there's anyone who's listening to this who who hasn't actually watched it yet, uh, I encourage you to give it a watch because having seen all the eight episodes now, I think it's. I mean, if we're maybe that's the other thing is to really to talk about Smash a little bit is like it is in a lot of ways the show that smash could have been it yeah is a show i thought about, about this process. a lot last night yeah and it's a show that gives like characters that could be one dimensional are are given so many dimensions and it's a patient show even though it covers 40 years in eight episodes within those episodes it's slow and gives moments their due it doesn't feel like it has to burn story and get to the next thing get to the next thing and it ha- it is a show that like has a deep love and regard of the creative process but does not um turn the creative process into like it doesn't elevate it or put it on a pedestal yes. and just excuse like ev- anything that happens is just a that's just something that had just to happen. Just a stepping stone in order to show. get the great art, right? It like it it lets the art it it separates the or it doesn't separate the art from the artist, but it recognizes the complexities of that relationship. Yes, and, yeah, and it also just doesn't manufacture character drama for no reason. Drama is inherent when you have creative artists who are looking to. Theater is the most incredible one of the most incredible art forms because it's collaboration across so many fields and so many different expertise and so much, so much say, expertise. When it goes so, to the most incredible art forms, it goes crocheting. Yes. Yo-yo Short tricks. Short form improv, yo-yo tricks. Long form and improv. And then theater. Long then form theater. improv and then theater. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like almost all of the drama on the show is tied into the work in some way yeah it's not a lot of it is obviously relationship drama but it's not just relationship drama that's happening on a separate track to the work it's not like they're working on the thing and then go home and fight about a different thing it shows how when you're working on a show like this it's your life and your work and your romance and your health and all these things are tied in together so yeah the the work the art is influenced by and influences your life and that allows you to tell all kinds of interesting stories but have it all still feel like it's a show about making something i do think 
the show, the eight episodes, were missing some of the sort of like um, I would say like daytime um drama from the courthouse but that's just me you know i just i just really am looking for that kind of thing in in all of my shows about theater i just wanted somebody to have a british boyfriend who works for the mayor's office and could (laughs) uh you know get involved in some sort of scandal i needed some sort of like anthony weiner parallel happening (laughs) that was i just said where are my anthony weiner jokes and then they appeared. They did. Um, well, I think uh, I think we should wrap it up and tie the bow on Fosse and Verdon, though yeah. uh, maybe maybe it'll rear its head again uh, with a little Joe Gideon cast. Yeah, that'd be um, fun. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think uh, I think this I think this show <laughs> will make talking about season two of smash even even more more hard than it already is (laughs) because it's just god it's just a whole different beast yeah i'm just i'm just really kind of dreading that one (laughs) me too me too well until uh (laughs) (laughs) well wait so we let's let's rate it when we started this show oh we were we were we were we were definitely good fellas already i think oh yeah yeah um and good viewers i think i was a really good viewer i'm gonna start with viewers and then go to fellas okay i paid a lot of attention during this i think with smash i was a worse viewer i would more often be like on my phone or sure uh you know pausing it and then starting again i would say that i feel like a level eight viewer yeah i feel like we're an eight viewer and yeah i I feel like we probably became more the the becoming bros process probably happened more during smash but this was like a good um continuation of the of it like it it, we like kept it up well especially with me being uh miles away 500 miles away but yes i i would walk 500 (laughs) miles to get back to you which would get me to las vegas or (laughs) yeah (laughs) i don't know like nevada ish (laughs) yeah um do you have anything to say ratings wise on our fellasness um no i i agree i think i think if if we became bros i think the fellas was a way for us to to put on our plush smoking jackets and really really delve deeper into the nuance of what it means to become friends that's right because you're watching a good thing together right exactly like our our jokey shit talking early friendship gives way to a more mature you know deep conversations about life you know smash bros was high school and fossey fellas for viewers that's like college when we really like get into it you yeah know? and then smash um, season two is going to be when we realize we failed college and have yeah, to go back so to elementary to, school like billy madison <laughs> yeah exactly each year of elementary school is each <laughs> is one episode, episode of uh, of smash yeah that's two. very good well that's that's a good place to end it i think yeah uh you can you know find us on our social maids and uh rate review subscribe demand that we come back with season two of smash bros uh really hound us for it uh <laughs> uh and uh until whenever we see you next we'll see you you later later, fellas fellas. (laughs) all right (laughs) to find more smash bros go to smashbros.fun 
That's S-M-A-S-H-B-R-O-S dot F-U-N. Or find us on iTunes, where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Smash Bros. is produced in New York City by Marty Scanlon and hosted by Marty and me, Jimmy Blackman. Jimmy's on Twitter at Jimmy Blackman, and I'm on Twitter at MC Scan. If you know Brian Darcy James and think that he would be down to do this podcast and maybe sing on it for us, what the hell are you doing? Tell him to email us at podcastsmashbros at gmail.com. We'll see you next week on The Great White Way. And now, Brian Darcy James. James.